Welcome to the Five Books for Catholics podcast, where experts explain their pick of five outstanding books on an aspect of Catholic life, doctrine, or culture. The Fathers of the Church are the saintly bishops and priests of the first centuries who bear witness to the apostolic tradition and had it on in their writings and ministry. They identify the canon of Scripture, exemplify the principles of biblical interpretation, shape the early liturgies, compose the creeds, define the rule of faith, and lay the foundations of canon law and the Church's pastoral activity. Reading them is indispensable for a Catholic education. Perhaps the fathers of the first two centuries are the best place to start. They are called the Apostolic Fathers, because they learnt the faith from the Apostles or their immediate successors. Mike Aquilina is the author of more than 60 books, including The Fathers of the Church and The Mass of the Early Christians. He is Executive Vice President of the St. Paul Centre for Biblical Theology. He also serves as a contributing editor of Angelus News and general editor of the Reclaiming Catholic History series, published by Ave Maria Press. He hosts the Way of the Fathers podcast for Catholic Culture. He has co-hosted a live-in television series on EWTN. He is also a poet and songwriter, whose songs have been recorded by Dion, Paul Simon, Van Morrison, Amy Grant, Bruce Springsteen, and others. Mike, welcome to today's show. Thanks for having me, Father Dominic. First of all, today's interview is going to be on the early church fathers. Who are the church fathers? Who are the early church fathers? And why should we read them? Hmm. Well, the, the, the fathers are, are those we venerate in a special way as teachers in the, the, the Catholic Church. We venerate them as teachers and witnesses from the first generations of Christianity. So it's an important role that they play. Uh, they show us what life was like in the church in the first century, second century, third century, up to the middle of the eighth century. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, they, they have a privileged position for for uh, revealing uh, the culture as it was in the time of our Lord. We have such a hard time imagining what life was like in, in those times, because we have technologies today that, that they couldn't dream about then. Uh, you know, there was no electricity. There were no mass media. There, there, was, uh, there was no easy transportation to get from one place to another. Life expectancy was very short, and, uh, and, and infant mortality was very high. Childhood mortality was very high. So it's a, it's a world much different from our own. The fathers give us a window into that world. And it's a window into the world of the New Testament as well. So they were viewing the uh, that 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 world, the world of our Lord, of Saint Paul, of the other apostles, from a privileged position, and they they uh, they share that position with us. They were also the early commenters on sacred scripture, so they witnessed to us the way the Church has always interpreted the sacred scripture, and the way the Church has always acted upon uh, the, uh, the 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 content of Revelation. So, so this is also very important to us. We learn how to live as Christians, as the early Christians did from the writings of the church fathers. They are teachers. They are witnesses. Uh, they're the ones who's, who, who set things down in writing and whose writings have survived. It took a lot of, of effort and a lot of trouble to preserve those writings. 
because as I said, there were, there were no mass media. There was no printing press. So every single page that we have of the church fathers, and I have an office full of these, these books, every single page of those had to be copied out by hand laboriously at great expense because you had to hire a scribe to do it. And also at great risk because it was a capital crime then to uh, to own a Christian book, to possess a Christian book. So the father's um, works were copied out over and over again because they weren't writing on acid-free paper in those days. The copies themselves were perishable, so they had to be recopied and recopied and recopied each time at great expense and great risk. And yet the church, the Christians of that time, thought it important enough to take that risk and to make that expense and copy the works of the fathers to preserve them for future generations, including our own. This is a precious legacy that we have in the church. And unfortunately, if I'm not mistaken, we only we only have a fraction of it because a lot of the works have gone, have been lost. That's right. That's done. right. You're right, because the fathers themselves refer to other works that we no longer possess. So we have lists of books by a certain author, and yet we only possess one book by that author. Uh, at the same time, things turn up all the time. Uh, in the last hundred years, uh, we've we've uh, we've we've kind of di discovered uh, long lost works by Saint Augustine, uh, by Melito of Sardis from the second century. These things have just turned up in archives around the world, or in in a wall, you know, walled up behind plaster in a monastery. You never know what we're going to find in the uh, in the in the future decades. Fingers crossed. Um, what led you to study the fathers and write about them? Well, uh, you know, when, when I was little, I used to read books about archaeology, like um, Schliemann's account of his discovery of Troy, and I wanted to be like that guy, you know, to go and have your your trowel in hand and and just dig for a while and discover a great city or some great treasure or unearth some ancient temple that was stunning in its beauty. Uh, and then I realized, you know, as you get older, you find out what reality is like and and you learn that uh, that archaeologists spend weeks on end with a toothbrush and a toothpick, you know, going over, uh, you know, little little pieces of plaster that they're they're pulling out of the ground. And it's it's laborious work. It's tedious work. It takes a lot of patience. And I didn't have a lot of patience as a, as a young boy. But I, I did have this attraction to antiquity and to um, and to artifacts. And so, uh, you know, as I as I got more serious about my faith, uh, I I was drawn to the works of the early church fathers because these are artifacts. You know, we can touch these works and we're touching something from that time period. We're, we're, we're finding those years suddenly illuminated for us, whereas before they had been in obscurity, they'd been in darkness. Now we can see them and we can see them fairly clearly. And that excited me. Also, uh, the church fathers, in addition to being all those wonderful things that I said before, are also just very lively personalities. And once you start getting into reading them, especially the fathers like Ignatius of Antioch, Clement of Rome, uh, they they capture your heart, you know. They they you, you want to be friends with these people, and uh, and and you you uh, you're hooked, and that's that's the way I was hooked. I I I got to reading the Church Fathers when I was when I was young, and uh, then I I got into journalistic work. I was I was writing, doing a lot of freelance work, and um, and you know struck up friendships with a number of the publishers I was working for, 
And one of the publishers in particular noticed this, and he asked me to write a book that would be a popular introduction to the Church Fathers, because at that time there was no such book. And I wrote that book, and writing that book really changed the course of my life, because it surprised everyone by actually becoming popular <laughs> and actually selling some units. So my publisher wanted more books on the Church Fathers, and who better to write them than Mike Aquilina? Um, the thing about this field is that, uh, that, you know, the scholars don't have time to write popular books, and they don't have the inclination, and sometimes they don't have the particular skill it takes to write for a popular audience. Um, uh, so, so I was there to to do do journalism and uh, have my beat be the first through the fourth centuries, and um, and and have fun doing it. And I've been having fun for the last thirty years or so doing it. And there are various ways of reading the fathers of the church. Theologians tend to read the fathers as witnesses to apostolic tradition and of doctrinal development. They study in detail the theological thought of the Church Fathers, but you seem to take, without neglecting the doctrinal aspect, a more historical focus. Is that fair? Yes, yeah, that's true. Uh, because I'm trying to reach ordinary people. Uh, uh, you know, as I said before, when I started doing this, uh, there just were not popular books about the Fathers. And so I was being asked to write the books that I needed to read. They just weren't there. Mm -hmm. So I had to immerse myself in a lot of the academic literature and and I did that and I enjoyed that. Uh, but the books that I produced um, were, 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 were aimed at an intelligent popular audience, an intelligent and engaged uh, popular audience. I was trying to reach ordinary people in the pews who have a great curiosity about antiquity because they do. You know, if you if you look at the history of the Dead Sea Scrolls, that discovery after World War II, so, you know, 80 or 70 some years ago now, uh, was like 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 a bombshell, right? It it it, it went off and um and and it was it, it was it was just suddenly everywhere. The Dead Sea Scrolls were everywhere. There was a lot of interest in them. There were books about them. There were conferences about them. It ended up being a cottage industry. Uh, uh, so there there the, I think that that shows us that there's a desire to have this uh, engagement, to have this um this uh, what's the word I'm looking for? This encounter with um with the ancients the our our most distant ancestors and uh and and people people want to do that i think the sales of that first book especially the fathers of the church and then the book that, that i did as a follow-up the mass of the early christians the, the sales have confirmed that there is that interest out there people want to know these things and they're willing to plunk down at least a few dollars in order to learn about them uh so, so it's a it's a natural curiosity, and it's it's paired in this case with a, a supernatural curiosity. These are our fathers in the faith; they're great saints, and uh, and we want to uh, we want to have that bond with them. They're part of the communion of saints. Now, you've, the first book on your list is Rod Bennett's Four Witnesses. Yes. It presents excerpts from the writings of four early church fathers and martyrs: Clement of Rome, Ignatius of Antioch, Justin and Irenaeus of Lyon, and tells a story. Why have you chosen this book? Well, because that is a book that gives us this imaginative entry into the world of the fathers. Uh, Rod Bennett, just to give a little bit of his background, uh, was a convert to the Catholic faith. But for many years before his conversion, uh, he edited Wonder Magazine, which was a, a, a magazine of genre fiction. 
okay it was uh for fans of uh, science fiction and fantasy and horror he had ray bradbury writing for him okay so rod's operating in uh this this level of imaginative retelling at a very you know in this world at a very high level uh he's uh he's a remarkable guy and he has a great skill for novelistic um retelling of the stories of the fathers he always tries to use as many of the words of the fathers, the actual words of the fathers, as he can. And he incorporates them into a, um, a, a again, a novelistic, semi-fictional presentation of, of uh, what was going on at the time. So when you read Rod's books, like Four Witnesses, and he's written several others on the early church, including Four More Witnesses, <laughs> which he- uh, The sequel. He just, it's a sequel, and it looks at four more of the early church fathers. What you're doing is you're encountering the fathers, you're getting to know them as characters, and you're 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 walking with them through the story of their lives. You become attached to them. You you um you you sense a growing friendship with them as you uh, as you go with the narrator uh, through these things. And again, the great value of these books, as you point out, is that he does include actual excerpts from the writings of those fathers. But they're seamlessly woven into the narrative, as if it's all part of the same novel, so to speak. So yeah, I I I really recommend the works of Rod Bennett, beginning with Four Witnesses, which has changed so many lives. Often, when you see accounts of um, conversions, uh, from especially conversions from Protestantism, uh, they'll they'll talk about the books that influenced them, and and you'll you'll see Four Witnesses on uh, on 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 that. Uh, on, on those lists. Um, last year, I was um, I was working in Rome. I was giving some lectures in Rome, and and on the flight over, I could see across the aisle that the man was reading four more witnesses. <laughs> so uh, I said a prayer for that guy and for the uh, and, and for a fruitful reading of uh, of that book. The second book um, comes from the Reclaiming Catholic History series that you edit. It's yes. James L. Papandrea's The Early Church, yeah. 33 AD to 313 AD, St. Peter the Apostles and the Martyrs. What makes this a good introduction to the fathers? Well, because you see the clear continuity uh, between the fathers and the very next generation. It's not that there was some hard cultural break or hard intellectual break between the, the, between the apostles and the generation that came after them. No, this was this was the generation of their disciples, uh, the the men they had converted to the faith, the men that they had prepared and baptized um, and uh, and given the commission to to take take the gospel to the world. So um, so you see the continuity between um, between the New Testament and the time of the apostolic fathers, which is the term we give to the earliest of the church fathers. I'd say that every one of the authors on that list I, I gave you, um, or every one of the books on that list I gave you, really does represent uh, the author, because this was another case with Jim Papandrea. Um, uh, this was another case where uh, where I revere his works, and uh, and I have a, uh, I have a, a shelf of Jim's works behind me up here, and I draw from them quite often. But this is representative, I think, and it's his most popular work. Jim, like Rod, is a novelist also. Jim's a great scholar. He's one of the preeminent scholars of the third century Latin fathers alive today. 
you know, he's done uh, major works on Novation, and you can't study that period in Rome without getting into the works of Jim Papandreou. Um, at the same time, he's a popular novelist. He's written mystery stories. He's written children's stories. He's written books for adolescents. Uh, he's also a popular songwriter. So Jim is um, is someone who can communicate these uh, these these writings and this world in a very direct way. So that when you read him, uh, you're 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 entering that world. Again, I I don't think the the obstacle today is access. To the writings of the fathers there was a time when it was hard to get your hands on these books you know they're printed by these obscure presses in faraway places and your local public library isn't going to carry the book so it, you had to you know make an effort to get at these books well now most of the writings of the fathers are available for free online at newadvent.org at tertullian.org which has you know a far-flung library and some very obscure works of the fathers, but they're available for free. So the problem isn't access anymore. What we need today most is an imaginative entry into that world, uh, a, a way of, of gaining, gaining access that's, that's more vivid, that's more vital, uh, that's more full of under, understanding. And these first two authors on our list uh, give us that um, that experience in in their pages. I'd say that um, that what I what was what's true of um, of Ron Bennett is also true of Jim Papandrea, that they take us into that world in a very vivid way. Thank you for listening. To read or listen to the rest of this interview, or to support this podcast, visit the website fivebooksforcatholics.com and become a premium subscriber. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast on the platform of your choice so that more people can discover it and give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, God bless.